It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it's an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be a fantastic and amazing show. I will introduce my guest in a moment, but first I want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I usually do this every single week. I did a Facebook Live one time where I talked about how successful people are willing to do bizarre and unreasonable things to achieve their dreams. In other words, they're willing to do what others are not willing to do. And I got this idea from an event that I went to and one of the speakers who was not one of the main speakers just sort of said this as an aside on stage. And that's the thing that I took away from the entire evening, be willing to do bizarre and unreasonable things to achieve your dreams. So in order to achieve greatly, we have to be willing to have, first of all, bizarre and unreasonable goals. Inventing the airplane certainly fits into that category. Flying was unheard of at that time. Sometimes our sacrifices need to be bizarre and unreasonable. Elon Musk sold PayPal and put all his proceeds into SpaceX and Tesla. And as a result, he couldn't even pay his rent. Finally, our strategies must sometimes be bizarre and unreasonable. I remember one year that the Girl Scouts were camped out in front of my bank on a Friday afternoon selling cookies. I thought that was brilliant because everyone walking out the door had money in their hands. How awesome is that? So how can you think outside the box to achieve your goals? How can you impact the highest number of people possible? Identify that, make your plan, and put it into action. It can make a huge difference not only for yourself, but to others as well. With that in mind, let me introduce my guest. His name is Robert Donaldson. Let me tell you about him. He's a change management expert. He crafts change efforts by applying unique approaches to leadership and developing collaboration in group environments. He helps group performance using sophisticated list of do's and don'ts of human behavior that ultimately becomes performance measurements. And over time, the group moves closer to mission success while simultaneously improving job satisfaction for the entire group one person at a time. He has a book called Collaborative Power Grab, a step-by-step guide for every leader on how to invite, attract, and cultivate collaborative power. We have a lot to unwrap and unravel today. So here we are with my very special guest, Robert Donaldson. Bob, how are you? I'm doing great. Good morning, Brian. Thank you for the invite. Oh, you're so very welcome. The first question I usually ask everyone is, did you envision early on that you would be where you are right now? Absolutely not. <laughs> Tell us about that. Well, you know, uh, I started, you know, a, as, a, as a younger person, you know, exploring different uh, avenues. And, and, and many of my decisions when I was younger was, was based on economics, right? Getting a job, making enough money to, uh, to pursue life, uh, not really knowing what direction to go. And then I did uh, get into industry um, and uh, heavy industry. And, and some of it was uh, dangerous, quite frankly. Uh, however, uh, as I started to master uh, a, one particular industry and started to move up through the ranks, um, I ran into, a, to me, what was a very unique experience, and it started to change the course of my life. Mm, I, I love that. So tell us more about how your, your path evolved. Sure. 
I uh, was a uh, became an operator at a, at a treatment plant, and uh, it required state certification. And so it was quite the it was it was the next best professional step I could take to uh, to pay the rent and feed my family. And I started moving up through the ranks of, of various agencies. And and when I stumbled into one particular agency, which was my first management uh, job, not first leadership job, but first management job, I stumbled into a very unique situation that really was the the bedrock for the work I was going to do for the rest of my life. Um, and so long story short, I came into an agency and I can talk more about this as we go, but I came into an agency that had just suffered a long labor strike mm. and there was bad blood flowing down every hallway and every room, uh, metaphorically speaking, but also that bad blood was flowing into every conversation people were having at the work site. Uh, so there was about three or four groups that didn't like each other. Cars were mm. getting keyed in the parking lot. Nails were going up against the car tires. Um, personal uh, property was being stolen from lockers. So it was drug and alcohol use on company time. Mm. Uh, so I, I came in and I started to exert, you know, what, what I knew to be good fundamental leadership uh, uh, techniques and, and, and trying to move the group forward. And it wasn't too long before my car was getting keyed <laughs> and I mm. suffered my first flat tire. Oh, no. Well, I was going to ask oh, yeah. you what early experiences taught you the most about leadership. So clearly that was one of them. What did you learn about <laughs> leadership in that scenario? <laughs> you bet. Um, you know, I, I took a step back and I, and I almost thought, you know what, do I really do I really need to do this? Should I be right. going someplace else? You know, um, and and it had such a profound impact on me uh, because it was uh, you know, and there was personal intimidation involved. There's uh, if you can think of it, it was it was going on. And what I did is I, I figured out some really profound awakenings. One is um, I found that. Uh, I couldn't let my own anger get in the way um, because I was, you know, now on the receiving end of, of some of these uh, issues. Uh, so that, that was the first thing I had to get past. So the, the, the three things I learned that's, that stuck with me for the rest of my life for the next, well, essentially next 40 years is the following. Number one, in an unhealthy environment, you're healthier your healthy actors are first going to appear as a as an antagonist. Now, this doesn't mean that every antagonist is a healthy actor, but if you have an unhealthy work environment, the people that are healthiest in that ex, in that environment as they experience it uh, are going to be frustrated. They're going to be angry. So when people came to me and they were frustrated and angry, I had to start to understand that it wasn't necessarily directed at me, uh, even though it could be. But the reason for their frustration is that they are a healthy actor. They're trying to tell me what's going on. And if I'm listening, what they have to tell me is pure gold. Where mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people in management and leadership, if somebody comes into their office and they don't put their pencil down or they don't pull their way, self away from the keyboard as this person is getting angry, you know, the, the leader has a tendency to become defensive just because anger is in the room. And there's other neuroscience uh, reasons for that. So the key to happiness there is when somebody showed up at my doorstep, figuratively speaking, 
and had something to say, I paid attention. And if it was a healthy actor in an unhealthy environment, what they were going to tell me was news I could use, number one. Number two was, uh, and this was really mind-blowing for me at the time as a as a 23-year-old, 24-year-old uh, manager, was when people act out violently, at least in this particular environment, it usually means uh, that they are feeling disempowered. So, you know, if people are feeling disempowered and they're talking to you and they don't feel like you're listening, then they start yelling. And if they still feel like you don't, you're not listening, even if you are, then they start screaming, you know, metaphorically, right? So when people are acting out violently, which these people were, it's because they're disempowered. Now they don't know that, but that's why they're doing it. Right. And then the, the third big deal was that, um, when people are acting against their own best interests, it's usually because they're incompetent, meaning they're, they're operating against their own best interests because they don't have enough skills to understand that that's what they're doing. So the way I reversed all that stuff is I, is I just basically took those three points and started turning those into programs. And five years later, this agency became an award-winning industry leader. And that, so how I did that uh, became the, the basis of my work for the next 35, 40 years. Wow. That's, that is absolutely mind blowing. Well, those, those are some pretty, pretty powerful lessons and I appreciate your insight. Would you consider that to be your rock bottom defining moment or was there something else? No, I think, I think that's what it was. And as long as I was looking at it through that lens, those three mm-hmm. lenses that mm-hmm. I developed, um, I was able to make steady progress. And, you know, at the beginning, nobody wanted to be on my shift. You know, they avoided me like the plague. But as soon as people started understanding what I was about using those three basic lenses, uh, within a year, everybody wanted to be on my shift. They were fighting to get on my shift, right? Uh, wow. so, so, that, so then I just started adding, okay, if we want a more collaborative group and you want mission success and we want these people to have an enjoyable uh, work experience, what are the things that we need to start doing? And what are the things that we need to start, stop doing? Now, the things that you start doing uh, is typically um, things that build relationship because really, Brian, it's not about you and me in the workplace. It's about our relationship. Mm -hmm. So we need to start thinking about, the relationship as the third person in the room. If you and I are in a room and we're talking or playing poker or whatever, um, there's actually a third person in the room and that's our relationship. And so do we, uh, do we enjoy enough insight to say, Hey, we need to take care of this third person in the room, which is our relationship. So when I started talking about relationships and the do's and don'ts, which is, was part of your introduction, Mm -hmm. um, there's a long list of things I can walk into a workplace and tell you exactly the things that they're not doing that they need to start and the mm-hmm. things that they're doing now that need to stop if you want a more collaborative group. So over the next 10 years or 15 years after that, mm-hmm. I developed what were called collaborative group behaviors and I came up with about 30 or 40 do's and don'ts. Fantastic. Great. We've got less than a minute to our first break. What do you think your big mission is in a nutshell? Uh, I, I want to leave the world better than I found it. Uh, so I want to go into groups and leave those groups better than I found them. 
Um, and and one of the things that and one of the ways I do that is I just increase their human skill sets. Um, and we can talk more about that after the break. Fantastic. We are coming up against our first break, and my very special guest is Robert Donaldson. And we have a lot to talk about when we return. And I can't wait to get started. We're going to talk about the difference between a boss and a leader. We're going to talk about why people are untrustworthy of their work environments and their bosses, and so much more when we come back. This is Success Profiles Radio. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. It's Merging Denver. Have you ever been rock climbing? I recently tried rock climbing for the first time while on vacation in Colorado. I was a total Gumby. That's slang for a newcomer to the sport. As a Gumby, I was guilty of excessive hangdogging or holding onto the rope instead of grabbing the rocks. Rappelling, also called abseiling, is descending down the rock using the ropes. As I was climbing up, my husband hollered up to me, Hey, there must be a word for this. Quicks a tickle, or a foolish, capricious person in the pursuit of ideals came quickly to mind. When I finally got to the top, it started raining, and there I was, literally between a rock and a hard place. What's the word for the fear of high places? Batophobia. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.brienkwright.com for more information. Once again, that's brienkwright.com. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Robert Donaldson. And if you have not subscribed and downloaded Success Profiles Radio on Apple Podcast iTunes. Please do that. Leave a five-star review if you think it's worth it. I hope you do. We've had well over 200 five-star reviews, and we're coming up on 12 years here in the next couple of months, and I cannot wait to continue sharing this episode with you. So, Bob, let me ask you. I've heard you say that lots of people find their workplaces to be untrustworthy in nature. Why is that true? Yeah, boy, it's a big one. Uh, Gallup came out with a poll about, a, uh, I guess we're up about five, five or six weeks ago, and they, they reach out and, and ask the American workforce, you know, if you if they trust their boss. And uh, the number this year came in about 20%. Well, you know, if you don't trust your boss, 
um, it, it makes for a very difficult work life. Mm. Um, and, and the reasons for that, uh, you know, you, you, we could dive into neuroscience um, and, and, and talk about uh, fear reduction, which we will maybe just a little bit. Right. Uh, but, 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 but to start that conversation, it's, it's better said that if it, whether it is a, uh, a, a sibling relationship or a parent-child relationship or a boss-follower relationship or just a relationship between Bob and Brian right now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what, one of the things that we're both doing as we first meet each other is we're kind of gauging whether or not uh, you're a contributor to the relationship. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's a lot of meta messages that you're sending me and a lot of meta messages I'm sending you. And, and it comes down to this is, does that, um, does this relationship uh, mean something to me? And, and, and one of the ways that we make that determination is, and it, it really comes down to this. It really does. And, 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 and it's really difficult for people to swallow this. But do you care about me? Right. And, 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 and what's going on in your mind is, do I care about you? In other words, are you a good, trustworthy human being uh, that that's worth my time, that's worth my relationship? And, and the fact is, is that if somebody doesn't trust me, it's because I have not invested in the caretaking of that relationship, which which you interpret as I just simply don't care about you. And so when you're a boss, you know you and and you want to go from boss to being a leader um people have to know that 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 when they work for you you actually care about them Mm -hmm. you actually care about them as a human being um and and the ways you can communicate uh that caretaking in in a work relationship is hey do you have a way to improve things around here i want to hear about it your opinion is important to me Mm-hmm. And of course, that works for leadership, too, because people come up with all kinds of great ideas. And if the boss uses those ideas, it makes the whole group accelerate. And how does that make the boss look pretty damn yeah. good? Right. Absolutely. Um, and yeah. So I'm listening. I'm listening to you. If you work for me and, and I'm I'm the leader and you're the follower, I'm listening to you. I want to hear your opinion. Also, um, as as a leader, am I investing a little bit of time in the people that work for me to help them grow? professionally yeah. am i helping them to grow personally mm-hmm. and we can talk about that personal growth in, in just a moment but the fact is is that people don't trust people that don't care about them right <laughs> and it makes perfect sense right why yes. why would you care about me if i don't care about you and exactly that's that's that has to be the foundation for sure i've heard you use the word boss and the word leader i know those are not interchangeable words so what is what is the difference in your mind between a boss and a leader yeah, you bet. Uh, and and I, I, I think I, I'm guilty of that from time to time. The um, A boss is top down. Uh, they know the agenda. They know they know how many widgets they have to produce that day. Uh, and they really don't. Um, I lost you there for a moment. Sorry about that. Oh. Um, they don't really uh, they don't have input from the people below them. Um, they're basically what we call a Q2. They're very strong technically and very weak uh, collaboratively. And, and you'll notice that a lot of people uh, that advance into management, 
usually come out of the technical pool. In other words, they were a really good mechanic. So now we're going to make them a supervisor of mechanics, or they were really good at producing those widgets on that press break. So now we're going to put them in charge of everybody that does that job. And of course, they move these technical people into leadership positions without any leadership training and things mm. don't go well. That's the boss. That's the boss. The leader is somebody who's uh, received training that's effective and not all leadership training is effective, I'm afraid. Uh, but for those individuals that have received leadership training um, and, they're, and they're good at, at implementing that training, they empower the people below them. In other words, the, the follower under a leader versus a boss becomes a full participant in helping the mission be achieved. And they do that by innovating and providing good ideas. They do that by going the extra mile. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I've worked for certain leaders in, in my career that I would go all the way for because they were just so incredible at empowering me uh, that allowed me to to support them. Uh, and, you know, and then there's other bosses that we can all reflect back on that we wouldn't give uh, two nickels for because they weren't empowering us. So the big difference is the boss is top down. They don't want to hear it. Just keep moving. Keep your nose on the grindstone, whereas the leader invites their followers to be full participants in mission success. And when you do that, their work becomes very interesting. It becomes mm -hmm. uh, engaging. Um, and yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll take the hill for you because right. they know you care. Absolutely. So how do we build trust? I know it's so important. Uh, you know, there's a, a couple of very simple techniques. One is when somebody is talking to you, don't, don't get distracted. In other words, when somebody is, if you're engaged in a conversation, that person right in front of you needs to be at the very top. And so if you are scanning your computer screen or your, or your phone rings and you're looking at the phone uh, to find out who's calling you, uh, or you still have that pen in your hand, or, or you've got the keyboard in your lap, um, and you're kind of doing both things, uh, it sends a very important message to that person, which is the negative important message, which is, you know, there's a lot of things that are more important than you right now. Mm -hmm. And there's probably nothing more degrading than that, especially if somebody is in your office, they're one of your followers. And, and every time you look at that phone screen, you're telling them, yeah, that's true. There's a lot more things important to me than you are. Mm -hmm. And that, that is really uh, can be devastating. So that's, that's one uh, technique on how you build trust. The other one, like I said, is if you're a leader, you should be meeting with your followers. Oh, gosh, you know, it depends on the industry, but maybe once every two weeks, once every three weeks for about 20 minutes. Um, and, and if you think about it, if you've got 10 direct reports, we're only talking about a couple hours a month. Mm -hmm. uh, and it doesn't matter how busy you are, you should still be able to do this and ask them, how are things going? You can use your authority to fix a lot of problems that are facing them. They got to remember, they don't have the authority you do. So mm -hmm. if you find out something small that's bothering them or there's something going on, nine times out of 10, you have the authority to fix that. Yeah. And when they walk out of the office and you tell them, oh, let me, I'll fix that. I'll fix that. Uh, that has a lasting uh, impact on them to the point where that that's what they're going to be talking over the dinner table that night when they go home, yep. right? So use your authority to help people 
get uh, issues resolved in the workplace. Then the last one, and it's not the last one, there's a zillion of these things, but the other one that you can do right away is um, ask them how, how they want to grow and, and figure out what you can do to help them professionally grow. Because professional growth means typically means more authority and more money. And uh, if you're paying the rent and putting shoes on the baby's feet, uh, more authority and more pay raises is, is the key to happiness. So you can actually be a participant in their lives and helping them grow professionally. And it usually means them helping them grow personally as well. I love that. We've got about three minutes until our next break. Let's talk about fear reduction. You you did mention that a little bit ago. It has to do with letting people feel safe enough to say what they want to say to you, right? Or is there a lot more to it than that? Well, the, the big picture, and uh, if we run into the break, we'll pick up where we left off. Um, you and I have uh, part decision-making parts in our brain, and mm-hmm. one is the frontal cortex, and one is the amygdala. If, if I'm in a situation where I'm feeling fearful or unsafe, uh, even though uh, it might not be apparent to me, it is apparent to my amygdala, and my operating toolbox is fight, flight, or freeze. Mm-hmm. Um, so when people are just kind of wallflowering their way through the, the work environment, that could be uh, the, uh, the freeze part of that. Uh, however, if, if I'm feeling psychologically safe and I'm emboldened, I'm thinking with my frontal cortex. And when I think with my frontal cortex, I am thinking with logic and I'm thinking rationally and I'm thinking ethically. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, those are the toolboxes we want everybody using in the workplace, right? But there's a lot of hidden fears uh, in the workplace that really destroy uh, a, a person's ability to think with their frontal cortex. So we're not getting the logical, rational, ethical performance out of them. And so what you got to do is create enough fear reduction to create that safety to get everybody into that frontal cortex. And I know there's a lot of science I just threw out there, but Mm -hmm. it is real as the hand in front of your face because I've used it and it is uh, massively improves the work environment just by moving that decision making part of the brain. And lo and behold, most leaders don't even realize that they're working with a, a, a human brain toolbox, much less working with the wrong one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we've got maybe about a minute or so to the break. Uh, real quick, how do you handle workplace bullies? Uh, I, you sit down with them and you you point out their behavior. Um, also, you the every organization should have performance expectations that uh, call out bully type behaviors in specific terms um, and put, put that as a performance uh, expectation, which means Uh, Your bully behavior is now not allowed uh, as a performance expectation and a condition of your employment. And then you sit down with them and see if you can get them onto the good side of the force. Yeah, absolutely. We are coming up against our next break. My very special guest this week is Robert Donaldson. And we're talking about building trust and building up uh, leadership in in companies. And we're going to talk more about collaboration when we come back. And we'll talk about Robert's book a little bit later in the show as well. We'll be right back. The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. 
This is Success Profiles Radio. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Robert Donaldson. And we'll be talking about his book here in a little while called Collaborative Power Grab. And if you have not subscribed to Ultimate Achievers Magazine, you can go to ultimateachieversmagazine.com. It is a monthly digital magazine, and you can get it at ultimateachieversmagazine.com. I cannot wait for you to read it. If you were to read an issue every week, it would take you well over a year to finish all the content on the site. So go ahead and subscribe today. I would be very happy if you did that. So, Bob, let's talk about the lost art of collaboration. How did this come about? You bet. Um, I, you know, I've I've been teaching leadership and collaboration for for decades, and 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 most of my early part of my career, I just did it for free. I had a lot of professional associations that I belonged to, and gave presentations at their annual conferences, and you know, and. Uh, and then I started giving, and I was just doing that for free because uh, all, all my professional uh, acquaintances uh, thought I had something to say that provided value in the workplace. Uh, then my phone started ringing, you know, hey, Bob, let me bounce this one off of you. Or the phone would ring again. Hey, Bob, let me, I got a situation. I want your opinion. And I thought, okay, yeah, sure. You know, um, I always got five or 10 minutes for a problem solving session, not a problem. And uh <laughs> So as I was getting closer to changing uh, my career goals, um, yeah, I started thinking, hey, maybe I'll just do this professionally. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing it professionally. I started getting clients on, and going in and, and helping people in really difficult situations uh, where you know, you know, two, two silos or two departments, as we say, uh, are just not talking with each other. And I, mm-hmm. I figured out how to, how to mend those those wounds and get these people talking and then ultimately working together very well. So really about culture change, fear reduction, collaboration, leadership training. Uh, so then I said, well, what, what does this look like? You know, what are the keys mm-hmm. to unlock these types of situations? What are the common things I do going into every single situation? And I figured out, hey, you know what? 
it's five steps up and it's 10 steps down. Mm. And a lot of those five steps up in building, uh, teaching people how to build a relationship with their supervisor. And when I started doing that, you know, most people are going, I don't think I've ever heard of that before. So people, uh, you know, we, we, we are born uh, basically naked. And if somebody didn't wrap a blanket with around us within the first five minutes, we would have frozen to death. Mm-hmm. Um, we do not build next year's nest, you know, uh, based on the hardwire instructions in our brain like a robin does. We need acquired skills. And what I found is that nobody's teaching people how to develop a relationship with their supervisor. So one of the things I was doing, and I didn't even realize I was doing, is I was teaching people how to build a relationship with their supervisor. And then there's about 10 steps down, uh, 10 step daily actions that talk about what you need to do in order to increase the performance of the people below you. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I went into multiple uh, I've given many presentations, as I've spoken about, and um, I, I did a couple of them just a couple of years ago, one in Chicago and one in Denver at a national conference uh, for these associations. And when I asked the group, and in both sides, there were about probably a 50 or 60 leaders in the, in the group, uh, I asked them, hey, do you, do, I want to see a show of hands that tells me um, if you have problems landing on your desk that you think should have been solved by your team. And, and in both situations, both in Chicago and Denver, there was just an ocean of hands that went up. And I said, okay, so uh, you don't have to raise your hand on this one. And I'm not here to embarrass anybody, but if, if you really do have a lot of problems showing up on your desk that you don't think should have showed up, how is your problem solving training course going? And of course, not, a single hand went up and I was met with an ocean of blank stares. Mm-hmm. So what this means is uh, it's actually just increasing the human performance below you, aside from just being a good employee. How do you build that uh, human performance? And one of the ways, you, one of the 10 steps down, um, and I'll circle back to, to give you the larger answer to your question is you turn them into problem-solving experts. And that's exactly what I do wherever I go. I turn humans into problem-solving experts. And it's always funny because it doesn't matter what the client is. Somebody always stops by and says, hey, did you know this stuff works at home too? I said, yes, it does. Problem-solving works everywhere, right? So you're just making them a more capable human. So I thought, you know what? I got to put this in a book. And so about three years ago, I started the writing project of pulling together what I thought were the 15 key steps, five steps up to your supervisor, 10 steps down to your uh, your your team. Um, and, and what does it take to make this work? And so you get into my coaching course, which the, the book turned into a coaching course um, using the, the same 15 steps. Uh, it's practical, it's usable. And the moment you learn it, you can use it. Uh, and, and that's where the failing of a lot of leadership training occurs. So I had to write this book. I had to memorialize it. And then once I had written the book, uh, which was about a two and a half, three year process, and I'm, you know, I'm operating two businesses. I'm doing project management for large capital firms. I'm doing collaboration and leadership training, and I'm writing the book at the same time. So it was a little hair raising. Thankfully, sure. I had the uh, the support of my uh, of Kathleen, my spouse, and uh, my family, uh, 
but it basically turned into uh, kind of a 357-page business card so people could really understand when I yeah. hang my shingle what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah. And then that turned into the Journey of Heroes coaching course. Yeah. I love that you said you turned your book into a course. One of the things that I do when I'm not doing my radio show is I help people write their books. And I tell them the money isn't always going to be in the sale of your book. It's what you do with the book afterwards. And turning it into a course is a great way to monetize your content. So I'm so glad to hear you say you turned your book into a course. And that's gone really well for you, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. Uh, the people that, um, I mean, the, the video testimonials on my website uh, to say it all. And it, of course, it's always better to hear somebody else talk about you than you talk about you. Because sure. if somebody hears me making big audacious promises, mm -hmm. you know, you know it always, there's always somebody rolling their eyes going, okay, there they go again. But yeah. the fact is, is that um, when, when you get those video testimonials, it, it really uh, gives you the feedback that, you know, is trustworthy. And so uh, it's had a, it's had a monumental impact on the people mm -hmm. that have gone through my coaching course. Right. Um, and, 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 and in, in the time and time again, I hear people say, I, I used to be a boss, but now I'm a leader. And, yeah. and what that means is the performance of their teams skyrocketed, their job becomes more satisfying and their mm -hmm. boss is looking at their team performance going, holy cow, mm -hmm. you guys are taking off. And, yeah. and I appreciate that. Yeah. Where can we, where can we find that? Um, the lost art of collaboration.com. Mm -hmm. is is my website mm -hmm. um and and if you go to the coaching course uh and, and or you can just, just simply jump on my calendar you can schedule some time with me from through the website uh and we can have a, a quick chat and uh there's two things uh that my coaching course is used for one is a business to business uh account where uh, people sign up and they have me uh, coaching five or six or 15 of their supervisors in a single class or as an individual what i do is i collect names and as soon as i have enough people which is usually about 10 or so people uh i start a class mm -hmm. and uh, the coaching, coaching course goes for about 90 days um and there's a lot of online videos and many of them are very short mm -hmm. only like three or four minutes long mm -hmm. uh some are a little bit longer uh, but it's and it, you can just listen to it. You don't have to watch it. Watching helps, but you can just mm -hmm. listen to it. Uh, and then we jump on a we jump on a, a hour hour and a half coaching call about once every two weeks during that ninety day period. I'm able to field questions. I'm able to watch people's progress as they're going through the course, and I can report back to them on any uh, problems that they might be having. And then we get into real life situations of the mm -hmm. situations they're facing in their workplace, right? Uh, and how the different 15 steps can solve all yeah. the, the, just 90% of those problems. Uh, Fantastic. So, yeah, it's the, the lost art of collaboration.com. I, I, just for fun, I, I uh, actually uh, trademarked that term, the lost Good. art of collaboration. Good. And, uh, and so it's been fun. The video testimonials are there and, and the people that uh, have worked with me say it all. Good. Who is your ideal client to work with? Um, I think it's the, the people that are able to leverage my information the strongest are the first line, frontline supervisors and the middle managers. Uh, that seems to be the, the niche that I fall into when I go into an organization. There's lots going wrong. Uh, now, this now this doesn't mean that the department heads or the directors or the C-level folks uh, 
can't use my information. Right. But the lower you go in the organization, the more unique the problems become. Let me explain mm -hmm. that for just a moment. As a first line frontline supervisor, you're usually the new guy, right? You've mm -hmm. just been hired from the technical group. But think about it. The frontline supervisor is the only leader in the entire group that is leading people that are not other leaders. Mm. If I'm a middle manager, I'm a director or a department head or even a C-level person, my direct reports are all leaders. Yeah. So when I start talking about leadership stuff, yeah, you, all the heads are nodding and they get it. But the fact is, is that the frontline supervisor can't use that information because all of the people they lead are not leaders. Mm -hmm. And just not enough attention is, paid, is is given to these individuals so they can maximize the leverage and, and maximize the performance of their teams. And most groups don't recognize that. So when I come in, man, that's my first focus is the frontline supervisors, the middle managers. If you can get them up and running, uh, the whole organization takes off like a Saturn V rocket. Absolutely. Less than two minutes until the next break. How do you find your clients? Boy, you know, I just I just keep spreading the word. Um, I'm expanding my social media team. Uh, I am hiring different uh, experts in marketing that are reaching out. I have uh, uh, email systems uh, uh, that are uh, emerging now uh, after January 1st, uh, uh, phase two of the, the email outreach. Uh, I'm reaching out mostly to the manufacturing uh, sector because mm -hmm. um, they're the, 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 my stuff is just perfect for them. Yeah. Uh, so that's working on that. We're working on YouTube ads, um, and uh, so it's it's just that whole uh, you know menu, that whole palette of outreach just to expose, expose. And next year, first part of next year, I'm doing a TED talk. So that's where I'm going. Wow. That is awesome. Congratulations. I, I love that. TEDx is is fantastic. I hope to be doing one of those sometime as well. We're coming up against our final break. I cannot believe how quickly this is going. We're talking with Robert Donaldson, and we will talk about his book, Collaborative Power Grab, when we come back. And I can't wait to share this with you. Please stay with us. Don't go away. We will be right back after the break. This is Success Profiles Radio. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian.
stars and sports figures take out insurance policies on their personal attributes and body parts. David Beckham is known to have the largest personal insurance policy in sports history. Reports say his legs alone are insured for $70 million. 1930s actress Betty Davis bought an insurance policy from Lloyd's of London in case she gained weight. What's a word for beautiful legs and an attractive shape? Kelly Bomb. Musicians Keith Richards, Rod Stewart, and Bruce Springsteen all carried multi-million dollar policies on their vocal cords. Food critic Egon Rene and wine expert Angela Mount set up insurance policies for their taste buds. What's a word that means the use of wine for therapeutic purposes? Enotherapy. It's marching Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Robert Donaldson, and we're going to talk about his book next. It's called Collaborative Power Grab, a step-by-step guide for every leader on how to invite, attract, and cultivate collaborative power. So let me ask you how you wrote this. Why did you write it? Uh, I wanted to uh, memorialize uh, my my approach to life. Uh, yeah, I started getting a little worried that, you know, um, if I got hit by a bus tomorrow, there's nothing that says this is how Bob Donaldson fixed workplaces, enhanced people's personal lives. Mm. Uh, there, there's no there's no uh, reservoir of information. It's all spread out in uh, presentations and videos and podcasts. There's no central repository where people go, what was this guy all about and what did he have to offer? Mm-hmm. And that kind of spooked me out a little bit. So I thought, hey, you know what? I'm going to write a book. I'm going to put it between two covers, uh, make it as digestible as possible. We got all kinds of, I, I had a, 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 one of my stepsons developed a whole series of, of uh, diagrams in the book. So it's, it's easy to follow um, and is memorable. Uh, and I thought, wow, this is just a great way to communicate Bob's message. Yeah. What does a healthy collaborative workplace culture look like? Yeah, this is um, a highly collaborative workplace doesn't happen by accident. Right. It usually happens because whoever's in charge, whoever the leadership is. And and this sounds kind of technical, but it's it's real. And that is that collaborative workplace occurred because somebody intentionally designed the social experience for the people that are members of that group. And so when I say it's it's intentionally designed, um, you've gone through, and, and maybe it's their life experience, a lot of times it is, uh, that's made them an exceptional leader, uh, but not always. Uh, they've been maybe well-mentored, maybe a combination of both, um, but they basically go in and part of the design process, and, and any leader can do this. This is the amazing thing is go through your workplace and say, these are the things that we need to start doing if we want a more collaborative workplace. Here's Mm -hmm. the things that we need to start doing to take care of the relationships in our group because relationships are important. 
Here are the things that we need to start doing. We're not doing now. Mm -hmm. And here's the list of things that are relationship destroying behaviors we need to stop doing. Yeah. And you take that, you take that do's and don'ts list and you put it into the performance expectations mm -hmm. as part of the performance evaluation system. Mm -hmm. And now this, for some people, this sounds harsh, but th this is the only way you're going to do it. You make those performance expectations a condition of employment. Yeah. And, and so, if you, if you're, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, um, when you're comparing a healthy collaborative workplace culture versus an unhealthy one, certainly the values that each group live by are a lot different. What might some of those differences be? You bet. Um, so relationship is important, which means uh, people that are want to live through the workplace and their personal agenda. Uh, when they, if they, they may have, you know, a, a certain level of neuroses in their life and it spills into the workplace. Mm -hmm. uh, those people need some help. They mm -hmm. need direction. They need to, they need uh, guide, you know, guardrails. Uh, they need counseling. Um, you know, you have some people maybe exploding politically in the lunchroom and everybody's the unintended victim of, of their, their, political uh, outburst or their anger outburst in the lunchroom and all of a sudden everybody's a captive audience stuff like that needs to stop you know mm -hmm. because we value relationships and this is a place where we talk about mission uh, we we enhance the mission and it doesn't mean we we don't do it without a high level of job satisfaction so job satisfaction leads to mission success which means um, how are we making, how are we caretaking the individuals that work in this company or in this organization? Um, and those, those types of items need to be at the top of the list. Um, so it's really the do's and don'ts and, and making sure that, uh, and, and, and so some of the do's, uh, and I think that's what you're going to is mm -hmm. as, as a leader, uh, you need to be checking in with your team and asking them what's getting in their way of doing a good job today. Now you would expect them to tell you. <laughs> but they don't. Uh, they don't want to be the person that brings problems to their boss. They want to be seen as somebody who provides value. And if I go to my boss and say, gosh, I can't do this because, you know, they have, I'm waiting on a decision for the last four days and I can't move forward. You know, people don't like bringing that stuff to their boss. Mm -hmm. So what you got to do is you got to go out and I say on a daily basis, but maybe every couple of days, make sure you ask every direct port, report that works for you. What's getting in your way of doing a good job today? And it'll blow your mind. I'm waiting hmm. on this part. I can't get the machine fixed. I'm waiting on a decision. Um, th th about 10% uh, of the average workforce uh, issues out there is waiting on a decision. <laughs> wow. So 10% of our productivity is negatively impacted because somebody's just simply waiting on a decision that they haven't received the answer to. So go out on a daily basis and say, hey, what's getting in the way? And you know what? Not only do you increase productivity, but you remove their frustration and you do that with your authority. They don't have the authority to do that. So just, so that's one of the do things that every frontline supervisor, every middle manager, and, and when you do that for the people that work for you, they go, oh my God, thank you so much. At least somebody around here knows what they're doing, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. So that's one of the big do things. And how simple is that, right, Brian? Hey, right, exactly. Hey, what's getting in your way today? And mm -hmm. it'll, it'll blow your mind when they start coming up with stuff. And right. then if you do it often enough, then they understand, oh, I can actually provide value by volunteering this information to my boss. 
because I didn't know that before. But now he's told me he wants to know about this stuff. So then they start telling you right away. And man, oh, man, things start to click like they've wow. never clicked before. That's that's amazing. So let's talk about inviting, attracting and cult and cultivating collaborative power. In order for any of this to happen, the leader you're talking to has to have the power to make things happen. So how does that happen? Um, OK. <laughs> Because some people, some of, leaders, slowly, some leaders have the power to, to make stuff happen and some really don't. So I guess I'm asking, what is the difference? In, in, in every situation, <laughs> every workplace that I worked, yeah. um, I started to, um, I started to manage from the bottom up. Mm. And this, and this is where those five steps come from. Um, and, and the five steps. And of course, it's called collaborative power grab for a reason, right? Mm -hmm. um, so in those five steps upwards, I'm answering all those questions for people on how they can acquire power from their boss. Um, and it's not taking the power. It's demonstrating a certain level of performance where the boss goes, holy cow, this person's really effective. I'm going to hand them more power. And, and power, power, who has the power? Is, is, is the big question. And, and so some of the ways to do that, some of the ways to manage from the bottom up and have the senior management team give you more power. Let me just give you an example. In one particular place, uh, they, they did not have a safety committee uh, and they started a safety committee after people were getting hurt, injured, maimed and killed. Um, and so they say, Hey, he wants to be on the safety committee. So I was a lowly little guy, little, lowly little operator. I said, oh, I'll be on the safety committee. And, and so it's, it's, it turned out that the safety committee also had the superintendent there and also the manager. And this is a department of 80 people. Right. And, um, so I started coming up with some really practical, easy to implement safety, uh, changes that, um, I thought were important that would that were easy to implement and so so my supervisor yes but really the superintendent and the manager are watching me going whoa this kid really knows our priorities well the next thing you know they're reaching through three levels of the organization with problems that they're having in the workplace that have nothing to do with safety and they're asking me to stop by their office because they have a question for me mm. okay so, so when you manage from the bottom up, these, the people above you see your, uh, the, what, what you're providing to the organization, and they'll start inviting you into all kinds of discussions about other problems. Um, and, and every time you get called into the superintendent or manager's office uh, to help them solve a problem, that is a transfer of power. Mm -hmm. And every time you transfer that power into your basket, the, the whole department's looking at, hey, <laughs> mm -hmm. that guy's just an operator, but now the superintendent is meeting with him on about every two weeks on different types of problems that he thinks that person can solve. Um, Absolutely. And, 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 and there's, there's no better way to do it. And so this mm -hmm. is why the collaborative power grab, the 15 steps, they, it does not require a culture change in advance. There's nothing stopping you from making sure all the roadblocks are removed from the people that work for you. But every time you remove a roadblock and every time productivity goes up because you do that, and if you do it every day with all 10 direct reports, who notices your boss? Yeah, for hey, sure. This guy, 
Bob knows how to get stuff done. Mm-hmm. I want to know more about Bob. Oh, and the more I find out about Bob and he's using these 15 steps, uh, the, the more transfer, more power that's transferred to you and mm-hmm. the, the more tasks you're given. Absolutely. We've got less than 10 minutes until the end. What is the most influential book about business or management that you've ever read? Boy, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I'm spinning around and I'm, I'm looking at my library right now. Um, and it's really hard uh, to just say one. So mm-hmm. if you allow me, what I'd like to do is maybe say three. Okay. Uh, uh, one is uh, Corporate Culture and Performance by John Cotter and James Heskett. It was, it's, it was written back in the 90s. Uh, but these guys are are just so solid and so real, and and uh, and they 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 their information is is fantastic. Um, an, another one, and I'm just walking around my library yeah. here, is uh, uh, Leadership BS by Jeffrey mm-hmm. Pfeiffer a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. He leads the leadership department at, at Stanford. Yeah. Um, there's another one uh, called Radical Collaboration by Tam and Lewitt. Great. Uh, they get into green zones and red zones. Those guys are fantastic. And last Great. but not least, Will Shots. Anything written by Will Shots is fantastic. Great. How do we find you? We've got 15 seconds left. Uh, the lostartofcollaboration.com. Uh, you can jump on that site. You can schedule a call with me. Uh, I'm ready to coach. I'm ready to teach. I'm ready to change the performance of your work group. Thank you, Robert, so much for being here. And thanks to all of you for listening. This has been Success Profiles Radio. Join us every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, where I interview another world-class achiever, learn what they did, what they overcame. Take care, everyone. Goodbye. Thank you for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. We'll have guests that will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, briankwright.com. If you've ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living, then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join us again next week for more Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Ryan.